And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. So far our text. Please be seated. Grace and peace. Love and mercy from God our Father. Through Jesus Christ our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. We began a journey almost a month ago. It was Wednesday, November 30. And we began a journey through the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. John 1, 1 to 18, the appointed Gospel reading for Christmas Day. And it is so power-packed, full of God's Word and truth and grace and love, it's impossible in one single sermon on a Christmas morn to get anywhere near all that God is saying to us. And so this year, we expanded things a little bit. Our first three Advent Wednesdays looked at significant chunks of this section of Scripture, saving what some would say the best for last. John 1, 14 to 18, but today we want to focus primarily on that 14th verse. When we started this, back on November 30, I asked you to look at these 18 verses in a special way. Sometimes people call this the introduction to the Gospel of John. The preface. The prologue. But I asked you to think about an overture. An overture. Most of us are not big opera people. So I had you think about the old Western movie, How the West Was Won, and the overture that plays before the movie starts. Or Jesus Christ Superstar, that rock opera that has an overture that sets the theme for what's to follow. And I shared these words with you. An overture gathers together and introduces themes that will structure and guide the narrative that follows. Not in a straight line summary. Rather, an overture weaves the themes together like a mosaic giving unity and beauty that will be unpacked again and again and again. And so it is here in these 18 verses. We have the, the mystery of the Trinity at the very beginning, that mystery that can't be understood, the mystery that can only be confessed, the mystery that the Word was with God and is God. God is teaching us already in the first words of John chapter 1 about the mystery of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. King of kings and Lord of lords. The eternal word, the eternal logos. It is through this word 
That all creation has come into being. In fact, God goes so far as to say, nothing was created that wasn't created through this Word. This Word is light. And this Word is life. Can you hear the overture? Weaving together these themes. These themes that, that are unpacked in the 20 plus chapters to follow in the Gospel of John. Unpacked in great and marvelous ways. And then we have kind of the, the side divergent in our overture. This happens a lot. The side divergent, John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God. He's not the light. He came to bear witness to the light. There's much to follow in John's Gospel about the ministry of John the Baptist. But one thing is clear. John the Baptist never pointed people to himself. He never pointed people to his strange clothing or his wild and crazy diet. John had one primary duty. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is like a giant finger pointing us, reflecting the light, pointing us to Jesus, our only Savior from sin. The overture continues. This sounds wonderful. This light and this life. How do I get it? How does it become mine? Well, you can't buy it. You can't pray it into your heart. You can't make a decision for God. No, none of this is by human will. It is gift. Pure gift. Our gift-giving God gives us this Word, Jesus Christ. And He gives us the faith to believe in this Word, Jesus Christ. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. God delivers Good Friday and Easter to us in the waters of holy baptism. God feeds and nurtures and strengthens our faith in the uh, Holy Supper that He has instituted, where we eat and drink Christ crucified and risen. Every overture comes to a peak. I'm not a real musical guy. Crescendo. When you listen to the overture of Jesus Christ Superstar, it's not very long. I've listened to it a lot over this last month. You can hear, if you know the rock opera, if you know the songs, if you know the movie, as you hear that overture, you, you can imagine in your mind all the scenes and all the songs that are to come. But there's something missing. The big theme, the big part, isn't there until nearly the very end. Everything builds and weaves and builds and weaves until you finally get that dramatic Jesus Christ superstar. And the shivers 
run up and down your spine. My friends, that's today. That's today, Christmas Day. No, not Jesus Christ Superstar. John 1.14 The Word, the Word through whom everything was created. The Word that is light and life. The Word that you can't buy but is pure gift. This Word takes on human flesh and blood and makes His dwelling among us. The incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How can this be? It's a mystery. It's a mystery that God, the God who is eternal, the God who's all those things that we confessed in the Athanasian Creed, this God took on flesh and blood. He didn't do it just to prove that he could do it. He did it for you. He did it for me. Luther says it this way. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from all eternity, and also true man, is my Lord. It's that simple. And it's that profound. Jesus Christ. True God. Jesus Christ. True man. Truly a human being. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He's not God on the inside with a covering of humanity or skin like some divine cyborg. He is 100% God and 100% man. How can this be? I don't know. My simple brain cannot comprehend it. But God's Word teaches it. So I cling to it. My friends, we confess the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus is that He is true God and true man all at the same time. And as marvelous a mystery as that is to believe and confess and ponder, it is the work of Jesus Christ that is of primary importance for us. What did this Jesus, this Word made flesh, this true God and true man all in the same person, what did He do? And why did He do it? My friends, Jesus, God in the flesh came to save you, came to save sinners from an eternity of separation in the fires of hell. In a sermon on this text, well over a thousand years ago, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, one of Luther's favorites, said, you know, 
The devil can handle the second person of the Trinity being light. The devil can handle the second person of the Trinity being life. What the devil cannot handle is the second person of the Trinity becoming flesh. Because when the second person of the Trinity becomes flesh, Satan knows that he is crushed and crushed forever. That's right. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to crush. But he didn't come to crush you or me. Oh, he could have. And perhaps, if we're honest, we would say, he should have. God is holy. We are not. We know that our, our sinful flesh has no business standing before a holy, holy, holy God. Listen again to John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory as of the only Son from the Father. This is no mere man. The glory of God dwells in Him. And then He says, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. What's the truth? The truth is the truth we confessed just moments ago. I, a poor, miserable sinner. That's us. Poor, miserable sinners. Our sin is before us day and night. We know God's word. We know God's law. Half the time we don't care about it. We do what we want to do and we disregard God's word. On those rare occasions, we actually do care about the Ten Commandments. We do care about the law of God. We try and we fail. We try harder and we fail harder. We can't do it. Sometimes we don't want to do it. We thumb our nose at the word of God. That's the truth. The truth is that we are poor, miserable sinners. We sin daily. And we sin much. And for much of the time, we are quite content in our sin. Such is the truth. But that's not the only truth. Truth is God is love. God desires no one, no sinner to spend eternity in hell. No sinner in the whole world, of course. No sinner like you. No sinner like me. The truth is God's love prompted him to send a Savior. 
That's what we celebrate today. God in the flesh. For you. He does not come to judge like an angry judge and send you to the fires of hell if you don't pony up. No. He comes full of grace. He comes full of grace. It's a word we take for granted. Grace. Oh, when you have your Christmas dinner, someone will probably say grace. We'll use it that way as a prayer. That's not what we're talking about here. If you forget to pay your insurance premiums on time, some policies have a built-in grace period. That's not what we're talking about. The Word takes on flesh. And He is full of grace for you. The undeserved love and mercy and favor of God toward His creation. Toward you and me. God comes with grace. He doesn't give us what we deserve. We deserve hell. But because of God's grace, He gives us Jesus. He gives us the perfect life, the obedient death, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus. He delivers Good Friday and Easter to us individually in the waters of holy baptism where God marks us as His own, adopts us into His family, and gives us His name. My friends, by virtue of your baptism, you bear the name of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You bear the name of the only true God. You bear the name of the God who comes to you full of grace and truth. You bear the name of Him who is light and life and grace upon grace. In a few moments, you'll hear the proper preface of our service. Oh, it's that part right before we sing, holy, holy, holy. It's proper because it's seasonal. And the proper preface for Christmas, for Christmas Day, for Christmas season is one of the most beautiful and unique pieces of the liturgy that we have. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Because it instructs us that on this day, Christmas Day, when God takes on flesh and blood, everything changes. The whole world changes. Now, we are able to know God. How? Through the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who makes Him fully known as He 
becomes one of us. As he becomes one of us to save us. As he becomes one enough, one of us to save you. Merry Christmas. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts.